So welcome everyone. Welcome to the um, ILF community call. So we do this call every second Wednesday of the month. This is actually also a space where the community shares their project and is also intended to be a place for questions you have for the ILF team, but also for other community, uh, community members. As Vinil already mentioned, this call will be recorded. And I also wanted to mention the fact that um, if you have any remarks or any ideas for features or topics we could cover, don't be shy to message us on Slack or on our emails or at least Vinil's email or Chris' email. So I wanted to start with an update of the Future Money Arts and Culture Grant. So we had 96 submissions, and this week we actually assigned those submissions to the judges. So the process has started, and we're very, very excited. Then uh, furthermore, we have a couple of new opportunities in the ecosystem. Um, by accident, by accident, we have two sessions on the 27th of April. One session will be the open payments huddle this month. And we've invited back the ILF grantees, Natalie Exton, I'm sorry, from Web Monetization for the Arts. Then we've also invited back Lior Zalsmason and Joachim Liel for Web Monetization as a Catalyst for Social Change. And then also we have invited back Danny George, Sarah, Isaiah, and Anishka Kapoor from Tattle Civil Tech. Um, they all will discuss, of course, their research during their open payment huddle on the adoption of web monetization and open payments in various groups. The other session we'll have, it's a very different session, is that ILOF will be hosting a session at the upcoming Global Digital Development Forum. It's a mouthful. Um, there's a link on the public note-taking document that will send you to the website to register, but there will also be a um, Eventbrite invite coming to your email. So that session is on the 27th of April, and it starts at 1 o'clock GTM. So it's a virtual session with feature, featuring grantees from the financial servers cohort. That will be Titsaworks, Colt, uh, Wallet Guru, Isaiah, and the People's Clearinghouse. So if you are interested in attending, either go to the link in the public note taken document or wait for our email. So uh, now I actually wanted to go to Alex to give us a recap on the Intelligence Developers Meetup. Uh, that was on the 23rd of March in Cape Town, South Africa. So, Alex, I'm passing it on to you. Hey there. Hi. Uh, yeah, so we went to, to Cape Town a couple of weeks ago to do, uh, well, we went to South Africa a couple of weeks ago to do several things. Brianna talked at Blockchain Africa about financial inclusion. Um, Sabine had a lecture at a local university in Cape Town about Interledger. And then we held the developer meetup with um with the people from snake nation in cape town the following evening we had about 65 people show up not including staff which was a great turnout there was a mix of uh students entrepreneurs some people in the fintech industry some people with wallets who were interested about intelligent we ran a panel uh with uh Wanda from snake nation uh somebody from tia the technology Innovation Agency of South Africa, and with Adrian from Finboss. And then we unveiled, with Soft Unveiled, Rafiki Alpha. We tagged uh, the Rafiki Alpha release. I think Sabine tagged it an hour, 45 minutes before the meetup, and then went on stage and demoed it for everybody and talked a bit about Rafiki and what we do. Uh, that is also now available. She'll talk more about that and what went into the Alpha in her slot update. Um, Overall, our, Cape in, our time in South Africa was really good. It was really nice to see that level of engagement and excitement from uh, both the students and the feedback people. So, Alex, can I ask a question? Yes. Um, so, I remember like a while ago, uh, you know, when Coil was um, in full flight, um, a lot of our users that were in um, Nigeria, like, weren't able to use uh, things like Uphold. Like, they just, they, you know, they, they, Uphold didn't support that. So, with your travels in South Africa and in Africa, like, how do you kind of get around that? Or like, are you basically like teaching people about new technology, but the infrastructure isn't there? Like, how do you, how do you do it? So, first of all, Interledger. Interledger started out as, as an idea and a piece of paper, right? And we're trying to make that a reality. One of the, the biggest pushes we're doing, or the reason we're doing this, is for awareness and for gathering feedback. So just 
talking to people with a wallet about IntelliJ and what it can do, that was one of the that was one of the the things that we wanted to do. We wanted to be there in the in the local community with the local wallets, trying to get them to onboard, because that's how you get an IntelliJ account, right? You need a local entity to be able to to enable IntelliJ so you can get an account with them. So we did that in there. We also did that for not just because we could have we could have put together ten executives from a company in a meeting room and and achieve that. But if there's no user pressure, nobody's going to do it. So we wanted to bring both users and uh, and stakeholders in the same room, have the conversation, see the excitement of each other. Uh, especially since students are one of the the digital natives, right? You don't have to, to talk to them about the value of having a digital wallet. You don't have to talk to them about the value of getting this app on your phone, right? So that was that was one of the the, the target groups we had. And that is the reason we keep going there. Uh, we also went to Nigeria last year, and Nigeria was a research trip where we wanted to talk to both financial regulators, because one of the reasons Nigerians couldn't get an Uphold account wasn't because of Uphold, it was because of the financial regulations in that country. So we sat down with both financial regulators and local local fintechs and banks and other. We, we sat down with foundations who do financial inclusion in there. We tried to get a better picture by being on the ground in order to see if we can make IntelliJ work for them and how we can make IntelliJ work for them. Awesome. Thank you. That provided. Yeah, that makes so much more sense. Thanks. Hello. Hi, Alex. I have a quick question. Um, do you guys record uh, the event in, in Cape Town? Is there any way we could um, see that? No, sadly, no. We we wanted the soft launch. Uh, there, there was no technical capabilities for recording, but we wanted the soft launch to iron out the kinks in that presentation and in that launch so that Sabine can come on this call and show it to everybody else. So we will record Sabine's version of this call, and that's going to get published on our YouTube channel as Rafiki View on Alpha. Okay, great. Thank you. I think uh, maybe you can ask Sabine as well about what she thought about the um, the uh, developers meetup in Cape uh, in South Africa. Is she there already or not? Am I supposed to talk now? Sorry, this yes. is <laughs> Yes. So first of all, I'm not prepared to do this the the presentation no i i since it wasn't on the agenda i didn't think that we would do it now i thought i just should just give an update um, that would be great just an update. i'll just give an update and i i mean we, i don't know we could just slot in a different uh one of these just for me to do the presentation i don't i don't know i just recorded and we posted somewhere and i just talked to myself for uh 30 minutes uh, that's also fine um but yeah, sorry, I, I didn't know that I was supposed to do it now. But let me give the update. So like Alex said, we tagged in uh, V1 Alpha. And um, it basically, um, like for those of you who have been to the summit, it basically comes with everything that I had in this huge diagram. So everything that was still outstanding, which was mainly the auth server integration, is also now within um, Rafiki. So um, if you check the, the the local environment and the postman uh, demo that we have uh, I, the demo that i did at the summit was without any request signatures but now we we do have those in there too and um max um has um has showed you the open payments um client sdk already that will deal with those signatures so that's all done we have um Postgres enabled as accounting database by default for any deployment because Tiger Beetle isn't stable yet. They are going to release um, their stable version in, in June, hopefully. So that's when we'll switch that out. So right now it's Postgres. However, the local environment is still on Tiger Beetle. Um, for those that want to do some development, um, we wanted this to be Tiger Beetle because it will be Tiger Beetle at some point. And yeah, you can do peer-to-peer -peer payment. Open payments is, is all done, um, at least the version that we have right now. And um, the things like we will probably, if, if we get the time, we are all in 
in Romania right now, meeting the people that work here right now. Um, but if we get the time, we're probably going to release a, a 1.1 alpha this week, which will also include an admin API front end. So, so far, we only have the GraphQL APIs that you can um, use using the Postgres, uh, uh, the Postman collection or um, the, the GraphQL playground that the Apollo um, server comes with. Um, but we've been working on an, a UI for that that doesn't include all the features yet, but it includes uh, a subset of those. So we'll release that. And also this week, hopefully, um, we'll have the Helm charts available for those who want to deploy this. Um, let's see, what else? We added a bunch of docs um, to the repository over the last month. Um, we It's still not complete, but um, we do have much, many more documentation than we used to have just a month ago. Um, and um, we also started populating Rafiki.dev, which is uh, supposed to be the place to go to if you are an account servicing entity running Rafiki. So this should be the place that has all the information of like how to actually run it, whereas the um, repository itself will be the place with the documentation on how to further develop Rafiki. Um, I think this is the update. Did I forget anything? Since I have you next to me, Max, I can ask you. Uh, I mean, we're. I guess we should probably explain why we're in Romania. We're just working with with uh, the testnet group and uh, trying to get some feedback from them, give give feedback to them, and uh, yeah, it's been going well so far. So, stay tuned for more testnet news coming later. Uh, we, we got the we got the demo from the testnet team this morning. It looks really good. I think I'm gonna leak some of the some of the screens where we've like some of the the flows we've seen. Leak some screenshots, and it should be up in in Rafiki Money in a couple of weeks. We're putting together deployment pipelines right now. That's the first order of business. So once it's on Rafiki.money, you can get an account right now on testnet. You will be able to get an account, add some fake money to your account, uh, and then send that to another account on the testnet with with uh, money and you should be able to see and request money as well from other people on the on the network uh the auto feeding functionality is not there yet that's one of the the big pieces that we put next on the on the work schedule oh and uh, i also realized i forgot to do something before before i start talking about cape town and that's my bad uh in case you've noticed sabine is with us sabine do you want to show us your your t-shirt uh we have an announcement to make sabine uh has moved to the intelligent foundation uh uh last week last week uh on the fourth she she is now the engineering engineering lead for the intelligent foundation the intelligent foundation is growing we also have Catherine on the call um Catherine is joining the foundation to lead the development efforts and the fundraising efforts. Catherine, do you want to say a few words about yourself? I feel like Sabine should have an introduction as well, but everybody's known Sabine for the longest time. Okay, so well, then it's hard to follow Sabine. Um, my name is Catherine Fukushima. I'm delighted to be here. Um, I just joined Interledger and I'll be focusing on fundraising, philanthropy, and partnerships. Um, I've been working with the team as a consultant for the past few months, so I know a little bit. I have a lot to learn um, and look forward to speaking with all of you at different points and um, finding ways to bring more resources to the work that everybody here is doing. So, um, delighted to be here. Thanks. So welcome to, um, oh, thank you for the introduction. I'm sorry, I'm, uh, I'm just reading welcome, <laughs> like a message in the chat. Um, so I got slightly confused as well. So now actually we wanted to continue to Adrian, is he there to give an update as well? Or Vimba's also being also. I don't know that Adrian's in the school. He isn't there. No, I just I just checked the chat as well. Well, that's a bit a bit quicker. So then we just continue to the next one. Actually, um, I believe we went through all of our updates, um, so we can actually continue to 
um, the beautiful deep dive from Sun Assembly with David Benoit and Christina Kinney. And I'm very curious about what they're going to bring. So. All right. Hi, everybody. Um, thank you so much for having us. Uh, I'm really excited about the deep dive. Our goal for today is to talk a little bit about our project in general, give some background on what we're doing and why, and then talk a little bit about the challenges we faced and some of the solutions that we've come up with recently, which are kind of exciting and I think will be helpful to the community at large. So uh, bear with us. Uh, we have our presentation here uh, with a new date. Um, but our reason for being and the reason that we started some assembly was because the number one complaint from gig workers and the creator community was how they get paid. So I'm from the payments world. David is also from the payments world. Uh, we have a lot of experience there and we keep and kept seeing these terrible complaints around how bad payout systems were, how expensive they were, how many fees were associated, how slow they were. And it was just endless. Um, so we thought that we could probably do payouts better. And when we started investigating, it's not just the creators and the gig workers who are having trouble, but it's the companies who are trying to do these payouts. And as anybody here doing payouts understands, it's rough. There's all these counterparties you have to manage, you have to manage the risk, you have to integrate with about a million payment providers, you have to deal with FX fluctuation, local bank accounts, local entities, it's a real pain. Um, so there's really a lot of pain on both sides and there hasn't truly been any incentive to, to change the game or to, to update the payouts game. So, um, we imagined this company, some assembly. Oh yeah, I'm saying $28 digital transaction fee. It is maddening, it's crazy. So we imagined ourselves creating this company, doing uh, payouts that were simple, affordable, and instant. And the way that we are doing that is to become the very first uh, payout orchestration platform. Uh, I, I have been in payments for quite a long time. I know David has as well. So once you understand how many people and how many companies are involved, I think that is one of the barriers to new innovation in this sector. So we envisioned doing something a little different and using a factoring model to create one integration for companies, make things easy for them. They're just managing their familiar currency, no FX, one integration. And then for the payees, they get things at their own um, preferred, they get their money at their own preferred timing, currency, payout method, whatever they like. So it's really a, um, a layer that creates ease on both sides. And the complexity in the layer is what we've been <laughs> diving into over the past couple of years. So. I, I just want to, add in here that you know there's a lot of companies out there that say they do in a single integration for all payment methods but what they really mean by that is they will give you access to those payment methods through one contractual relationship with that platform they're not actually doing the hard work for you or uh giving you or, or, or abstracting away any of the complex customer journeys that those integrations could have. Yeah, and I think if if you get to a point where you're trying to pay out in a different country, you'll you'll eventually run into a wall with you know Stripe or any of these big companies where they say, okay, where's your entity? Are you do you have all of your uh, legal and tax ducks in a row? And it's tough because multiply that by all the countries in the world, and you got problems. So we're going to share this presentation so that you guys can take a look if this resonates with you. Um, but the current problems, obviously, slow, bad, logistically problematic. And I really think the biggest problem is that it is not a customer first mindset um, because everything flows from there. Because payouts really are essentially just the, the easiest way to get through the difficulty, right? For the company, they're not really looking at payouts as a competitive advantage. And for the recipient, they don't have enough um, 
you know, power. They're not like a group of people advocating for this to, to change. So as a single individual, of course, you're going to get the fees and you're not going to be able to do much about it because you can't take your business elsewhere. So um, you guys can read through this later. Uh, and then, of course, this next slide are what we've done is our solution in contrast to what exists right now. Um, and feel free to take a look later. <laughs> but essentially, our belief is that customer first and individual first changes how we perceive the problems. Um, because if you actually look at your gig workers or even invoicing as a potential good experience and as a potential differentiator, then everything flows from there. Um, so next one is um, our business model because obviously as customer first, like is there really anything to this? Why hasn't anybody done this before? Um, so we think there's an opportunity in this payment ecosystem to be customer first, customer minded, right? Um, but to also address some very big problems. So there's the gig economy, which we talked about, and the fees, which are wild. There's also e-invoicing and B2B, real problems that are beset by all the same issues of uh, accounts payable. So creating this payout orchestration platform that decouples those worlds and that gives you a translation layer of simplicity it's not just applicable to one section of the payments ecosystem, it's really applicable everywhere. And in our journey around the payments ecosystem, trying to put this together in a way that really was predictable, easy, one integration, all the things we promise, we have found a number of partners. Um, so everybody here, of course, will, will know many of these partners, but assembling them into a complex puzzle of the payments ecosystem has been really interesting, fun. Um, and difficult, and we have all of these pieces in place, and we're very close. Uh, but in the last six to 12 months, the biggest piece that's been missing uh, has been how to connect to existing banking infrastructure in a scalable way. And I will let David talk about this piece because he is very passionate about it. <laughs> sure. Um, so, um... I just want to roll back for a second on the, um, you know, sort of the business case to, or the sale to one one of our clients. So a, a platform that would want to pay out to its gig workers or, or anything like that. Um, what we're proposing in this is that the integration with our platform, you know, which is going to leverage the interledger, interledger network underneath to make it all work, is that, um, we will be able to take um, what is now a not a viable return on investment to add a new payout method or to add a new market or to add a new currency. And we will create opportunities for them to expand that are at no additional cost to them. And in fact, um, the integration that they would have with us would reduce their overall operating overheads because they wouldn't have to maintain reserves and have those as liabilities on their banks, on their books. They wouldn't have to um, uh, maintain counterparties in their systems and all of the, <clears throat> the headaches that go along with that in terms of data privacy management and those things. Remember too that these platforms, they are that's not why they're in business. They're not in business to pay out, right? They're in business to make money through other channels that they are doing. You think of um, uh, even something as simple as referral management on on, uh, on YouTube videos, right? Those platforms like um, like PartnerStack or or others like it, those are what manage the the payments for um, for companies that are selling things, not the companies themselves. They don't want to deal with any of those things. So we're 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 proposing to take on those same challenges for those companies so they can continue to in their operations but in our operations you know connecting with the existing banking structure <clears throat> is hard and um you know we we did the work to build up uh the the demo um we had money moving money moving um we've done 
payouts to the UK, to Europe, uh, to Canada and the US, all as tests. And I have to say things, I mean, I, I knew this to be true and Christina knew this was true from our past experience. Uh, payouts in the UK and Europe were great. They were instant, they were um, fine. And I'll, I'll get to that question about Africa in a second. Um, but the, the, the payouts in the US specifically were horrible. Uh, it was we were waiting three days to get uh, to get payments, and we're just like this is this is stupid, right? Um, and what we found in the conversations that that we were dealing with is that this really is because of, of this virtual stranglehold that incumbent companies like Pfizer, FIS, Jack Henry, and others have on the banking industry. You know, there's you know, something like 12,000, eight, eight to 12,000 banks, depending on how you count in, in the US. And, you know, you could have a bank with seven employees, you could have a bank with 7,000 employees or more. And they all have to play in the same ecosystem and getting changes through those companies that service them are virtually impossible. I, with a client once, I to get a meeting with Fiserv, we had to pay $50,000 for an afternoon meeting. And then to get a change through, it took 18 months and $6 million worth of investment to get a single change to the Fiserv core. So getting anything on the scale uh, that we want to operate into any of those banking systems, it's virtually impossible. It's like they are not going to risk their revenue. They're not going to risk any disruption to their existing business, to their existing um, streams of income. Um, it's just seen as too much of a, a you know, a, a problem for them. So they're not willing to entertain that. So um, what we really needed, we needed a willing partner that was uh, that was willing to go in and disrupt those uh, those uh, established um, models that are built, you know, quite frankly, off the old batch technology that was established. I mean, standards we're talking about for ACH, I mean, these are the seventies, right? And we like to joke about these things in computing and it's all, oh, you know, these systems that were built in COBOL and whatever, ha <laughs> isn't that so funny? They're still running, right? And they're, they're still what's dominating all of these processes that are here. And unfortunately in a lot of markets like this, you know, we have not had pressure from regulators like there has been in the EU and the UK to drive open payments and to drive it so that it actually is something that the banks need to interoperate on. Those things only happen when there is uh, a commercial advantage between the banks. Look at Zelle. Zelle only exists because the big banks didn't want to deal with the clearing costs between the banks themselves doesn't exist for the consumer. It can, it, I mean, it's beneficial to the consumer, but if you're a customer in a small community bank because you want to support your community, you're out of luck. You can't participate in that ecosystem. You have to go to one of the big banks to deal with that. So <clears throat> we, we partnered with a company that is actually working on building out and connecting directly into the Federal Reserve Bank to make these things possible in, in the US. And I know I'm talking just about the US, which is funny because I'm Canadian and uh, I don't really have any direct connection to the US banking system other than working on it for a while. Um, but this is step one to going, uh, to going global for us because if we cannot operate uh, in the US, it's just not gonna work because so much of the payment origination happens there um, that we have seen that we just can't, we can't launch without it. So we've partnered with a company called WireFX to build that critical piece of technology. Um, and um, the future, what we're building is we're proving out this idea of a micro core and it is a completely API driven and event, API and event driven system. It think of, um, think of the kinds of things that you get from Interledger in terms of the notifications and, and quick, uh, easy um, notifications of things happening, but have that actually happen on a banking ledger that is connected to the Federal Reserve. Um, there's going to be webhooks for everything. You know, if money arrives in your account, you'll get a webhook with all the information about that. If, if uh, you want to send information, you know, you'll get webhooks when all those things happen. 
uh, if you want to open an FBO account just for, you know, for, uh, I, I was about to say for fun, but not really, um, you know, you need something for an accounts receivable for uh, a specific, um, a specific purpose in your business. You can just open that. It's an API call to do that. Uh, yes, there's checks and, uh, and screening that happens for specific information, but all of that kind of thing can happen in a very automated way now. So submit an API call to, to open an FBO account, have some system in the background that runs and um, accepts and verifies that information, get a webhook call when that FBO account is ready to use. You know, that's, it's that easy. Um, and we're also working on creating the partnerships with these large liquidity providers um, to establish this network of global payments. So we're talking with people that have Nostro accounts in, in like, all, all the places, right? So it's large companies like JP Morgan and Wells Fargo and Standard Chartered Bank and, and there's a long list. Um, and, you know, between some assemblies partnership and YRFX, we're working on getting these, um, these low value payments, which is what they're called in, in the industry, uh, connecting up that that network of low value payment networks so that we can send instant payments anywhere um, and have it driv all driven by an API. And, you know, particularly for this crowd, all connected to the interledger network so that we can provide those services to anybody who wants to connect. Um, and we believe that once we have these, you know, some assembly, you know, the vision that we had um, to, two and a half years ago about how we wanted this to work. It'll actually be able to happen. And you know, we've seen it in a demo. Um, we've seen it work with, um, with crypto ledgers to, to prove out the concept, uh, but now we think we can actually connect it to the real banking system and have it economically accessible. And that's it for now. Any questions? Uh, David, I was wondering if the new Fed now thing will help you or hinder you or make no difference. Yeah, so it will help. Um, it will help quite a lot. Uh, what's interesting about Fed now is that there's kind of these, again, the US banking system is a bit weird because there's no like regulatory drive to do one thing, right? Just make it like, you can put an IBAN in almost, you know, anywhere in Europe and you can send a payment, right? It's, it's, it's almost that simple. It's a little more complicated, but it's, it's almost that simple, right? Here's an IBAN, send money. Um, for, for the US, there's Fed now, but there's also RTP, which is run by the clearinghouse. And it's kind of like the people, the banks that are members of RTP don't want to be members of our Fed now. And then how do you bridge payments between Fed now and RTP? especially since RTP has been up and running for about like over a year and FedNow is continuously delayed. Then there's the question of, well, FedNow have, being available, that's great. But what do you do for, you know, Farmers Mutual of Omaha, which has seven employees and no tech team? How are they going to get connected to this kind of network? And of course, there's, opp there's opportunity there to, be a service provider that integrates with FedNow and provides those services to them. But then again, you have to be connected to the Federal Reserve Bank to be connected to FedNow. You have to have the transactions for that routing number directed to you. So you can't just step in and take over. You have to do it in partnership with the banks, which is possible. It's just slow. So I, I'm hopeful of FedNow and RTP. And just like I'm hopeful for the real-time rails payments in Canada, which was supposed to be launched two years ago, but it's delayed yet again. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's more of a, I can't wait for it to happen, then I'm wait, holding my breath. Awesome, thank you. Uh, I, I do feel like multinational companies like Nike, for example, would love this. Like there's so many transactions that they have to deal with in so many different countries. Like, it sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah. And, and sorry, I, I want to look back since you mentioned multinational companies in different countries and stuff like that. Somebody mentioned, you know, what, what about Africa uh, and other places? We are not ignoring any markets at all. Uh, we have very early talks, pretty 
well, more than early talks, pretty established talks with connecting some of the largest payment uh, payout services in Africa, South uh, Southeast Asia, and uh, and what was the other one? Oh, and South America as well. So um, we're like Christina and I. You know, we have many connections from our past work. We're trying to leverage those to make this. Really, like, like I mean, it says on the slide, better payouts for everyone, and we do mean everyone, right? We're trying to make it so that it's not just those with a bank account that can access payouts, right? Like, why do you need a bank account? We we talk about, um, you know, serving the unbanked. Well, let's really serve the unbanked. Maybe they don't want a bank account. Maybe this concept of uh, having a bank account is is just something that we think of as familiar and and the norm but it's not the norm everywhere <clears throat> somebody asked about bill.com um my experience with bill.com makes me laugh so no i don't think so <laughs> um I've had very negative experiences with Bill.com and their timing of payouts. It, uh, I had an invoice outstanding with them because I thought I th it looked like a great solution. Uh, I had an invoice payment to me, and this again, this is not a hard one, shouldn't be a hard one, from from the U.S. to Canada, and it took 60 days, so not not exactly fast. So, David, sorry, just as a another question. Um, so does a crew slash some assembly like are you would you be taking on risk in terms of you know you're providing instant payments but maybe the banks aren't so then are you basically covering that how does that work yes so that that's a very good point and christina mentioned you know one of the key parts about this is our factoring model uh, and this is this is not something that most people are willing to do right but when you think about trade and and, and the payment of goods for example right do, do do companies like pay for everything up front? No, right? Like you you commission something something to be to be made, they make it, they deliver it, you pay an invoice later, right? That's usually on you know like net thirty terms or you know whatever whatever you might be paying, whatever standard for for your environment. But we don't do that with money, right? And and to the, to me to, to to us, you know why? Really, why should this be different? If we establish a commercial relationship with those companies that are wanting to send money, that are wanting to pay out their providers, why shouldn't that be an invoice to them just like everything else? And if we if we think about it that way, it actually a whole bunch of things um, get interesting. Um, for one, you have that float, you have the ability to have the money sitting in a place where it can uh, immediately be sent out. Right. I don't need to wait for funds to clear through uh, five different intermediary banks, depending on where I'm going. I don't need to wait for the money to settle into some wallet provider in, you know, in for for like a grab wallet. Um, I don't have to do a lot of things. Um, so, but because of that, that that is a service that is being provided to the platform that is that is being paid out. So. You know, there's obviously a charge for that, but there's also a lot of benefit that they're getting out of doing that. They're they're getting to serve markets that they wouldn't be able to serve before. They're getting to not have all of these balances on their books. I mean, you look at a platform like Quora, right? If you're a paid contributor on Quora, you get paid for um, submissions that you write that people read. And I mean, this is all done so that they get quality, I mean, purportedly, so they get quality contributions to drive more advertising revenue on their site. But if you've ever tried to get paid by Quora, it's it's really hard because you have to reach a threshold of $75 before they'll even consider paying you out. Now, scale that out to like millions of contributors that have signed up to be paid contributors into Quora. You're talking about a lot of money that is owed out as a liability to contributors. They can't they can't really do anything with that money, right? There it, it is money that is actually for somebody else. It's a liability on their books. They can't they can sort of invest it, but they can't really spend it. Um, um, so management of all of those funds goes away for them. Management of any integration with payment networks goes away. Platform fees to to those 
those different networks. Every time you send, sign up for one of these networks, you have to pay a separate platform fee, a minimum invoicing fee, you know, all of those things. We're proposing that the model to those platforms is that we take that on, we aggregate those through all of the customers that would sign up for our service and provide low cost to anybody that wants to use it. I'd also like to talk about the other side of that transaction and the individual who's trying to get paid their 25 cents and maybe they are doing advertising around the internet. I don't know what they're doing. Maybe they're a gig worker in five different places and individually they get paid out five dollars, 25 cents, two dollars and it's not worth it to be paid that because the fees are so high but if you can aggregate that in accrue you can accrue that amount and then get paid out when it's reached a threshold that you know you want or you can redirect the funds elsewhere you can save them you can do whatever you like with that money um but the money is not dependent on your bank account and your thresholds and your current fee structure that's that's interestingly exactly how the name the names for these things came about, right? Like, like, like we, were, we were looking at these money flows from different partners and, and these thresholds and we're like, well, what if we could just add the money together and, and you know, take advantage of that? It's like, well, we're doing assembly of money, just some assembly. <laughs> awesome, thank you. Uh, I see another thing about next generation Stripe. Well, I hope so. Uh, I find Stripe to be extremely, um, they're extremely good at uh, invoicing people for their services. I'll just leave it there. <laughs> right, so I have, a, I have another question, elephant in the middle. Actually, it's a two-part question. One, when is some assembly going to be ready? Two, uh, when is... Is, is WareFX ready for other people on this call to use? Is this available? Because obviously WareFX is something that a lot of our grantees could use. It's something yeah. that would work very well for them. So talk a bit about that. Sure. Um, and just really quickly for this crowd, WireFX is, a, is sort of a holdover name. It is in the process of changing. So watch for that announcement. Um, WireFX, the name was uh, sort of the pre-pivot name. So. The, the pivot into what we're doing now is uh, it's going to re reveal that name. Um, so yes, WireFX is ready to use today. Um, we have several clients that are up and running. We we actually for real settle millions of dollars a day. Um, um, we have uh, a good number of clients, client prospects that are doing business with large entities in Africa. That's all I can say there yet. There is a press release pending on that. Um, there, uh, Chi Money is one that we have announced uh, publicly. So they work with us. I know Uchi, I don't know if he's on this call, but he was with Coil. Uh, he started up Chi Money to do uh, payments um, into Africa, in, in and out of Africa. So that that's a great one. Um, we have other, uh, other fintechs that are working with us. Um, so I, I, so I should, I should clarify. I say us because uh, Christina and I are both involved in both ventures. Um, so to get this done, we we took um, we took positions to to basically help this along. So it's uh, they are two separate companies, but they are very much helping each other. Um, so um, yeah, so we're we're totally willing to talk to people. We are FinTech friendly, start FinTech and startup friendly. Um, we have uh, pricing plans that ramp up uh, with revenue. Um, what else can I say? Oh, and we have costs that are actually relative to our costs, not um, made up uh, values that um, some other companies charge. Uh, what, else, what else could you add to that, Christina? I think Christina is frozen. She's uh, actually got. Um, Sorry about that. Yeah, my internet keeps coming in and out. So I missed it if you asked me something. I apologize. 
I was just uh, wondering if you had anything to add on to where YRFX is today and working with uh, people in the Interledger ecosystem. Yeah, I would say absolutely ready if you're curious. Um, you know, we, we use one NDA, so it's pretty standard. Like, they can send you over a quick NDA and we can get into the details. I mean, I think the reason we wanted to talk about that at this call was because it could really help accelerate a lot of the projects that we had heard about at the summit and on these calls. So yeah, if you're interested, absolutely. Um, I think David and I are both on the Interledger Slack, so feel free to DM us. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Some Okay. Well, thanks so much, everybody. Are there any other questions that we can uh, help out with now? Or otherwise, uh, please, like Christina said, feel free to DM us on the, on the Interledger Slack. Happy to answer any questions. I don't think there are any more questions for either. Well, then I will continue. And that's actually, I have a question for the entire group if they have any quick updates or are there any milestones you would like to share? I don't know if somebody wants to throw something in. I want to stay quiet. Going once. Yeah. <laughs> Going twice. Let's try this. <laughs> okay. If, if nobody has any, any milestones, I would like mm -hmm. to leave this group with a big ask. Um, so we've probably heard that as part of the uh, the core spin down, we have inherited the weaponization extension and now sits with the foundation. As part of our continued um, support for weaponization, we would like to, uh, to help change the weaponization extension. We're working with some people uh, on doing that. We would love more help. So if you have weaponization experience or extension development experience, please reach out on the IntelliJ Slack. We have a list, a, a laundry list of things we'd like to, to achieve and we're looking for all the help we can get. Um, if you know of a great web, uh, web extension developer, please feel free to recommend them to us as well. We'd love to, to find more people to help us with this. And I know web, web extension development is kind of an exotic skill. Hence, please reach out to your networks uh, for anybody who you think could help us. Sorry, Alex, just to clarify, is that like a paid thing or is it voluntary? Yes. Like, <laughs> yes, it is, it is, uh, it is both a, a paid and voluntary gig. Uh, contributions welcome any, any day, but uh, grant, contract, whatever whatever works for for the person yes awesome thank you cool so uh, the, then oh sorry you, you can go karma i don't know what i don't know if that's the name sorry i, I don't know if you want to whatever but what's the what do you think what what's the vision here around this uh, i mean i think i know the answer but i'm just curious what the if you're going to start plowing resources into additional development uh what's the goal yes uh that is a perfect question so we have we have three steps we want to achieve the first one is to get a mock version of the extension out so development can continue an extension that still mimics the weaponization events without making payments and uh that's something that's coming out quite soon we've got the resources for that. What we're trying to build or the, the biggest picture is we want to make weaponization work with open payment. So whoever has an open payment wallet will not require a weaponization provider. They can be their own weaponization provider. So if you, if you put your, your wallet or payment pointer into the extension, the extension should be able to pay out of that using the open payment grant feature. Uh, should be able to pay out of that directly into the website. And we'd also like to, that's, that's step one. And step two is 
we would like to change the weaponization models in the extension. Right now, the extension is set up or was set up for two, two models. One of them was streaming payments and the other one was tipping. We have a bunch of other weaponization models which you'd like to try and enable in the extension so that everybody as their own weaponization provider can decide how they want to be web monetized on, on, online. So if you want to, to pay per view, that's which we would like to put that into the extension. If you want to change the rate of streaming, that should be available in the extension. If you want to only be monetized as tips, that should be an option in the extension. And if you'd like to pay at the end of the month, so browse the web and at the end of the month, get a tally of how much you've spent on each website, find the, an amount you want to share or spread about, uh, among those websites, that should also be a model. So this is, um, as you can see, this is a, this is a two-year two -year plan we have in here, and we'd like to develop this with the community uh, with a lot of user experience help as well, and with interviews with past and, past and present grantees. Are there any more questions? Uh, sorry, uh, Alex, just for developers that might be interested, uh, sending you an email address is, uh, sorry, sending you an email is, is the best approach? Yeah, uh, so either either message me on the IntelliJ Slack. If you're not on the IntelliJ Slack and you don't want to, to take the trouble, my email address is alex at IntelliJ.org uh, and emails welcome. Okay, great, thank you. I'm just going to wait, <laughs> see if there's one more question. Going once. <laughs> Thank going you. Going <laughs> twice. And I feel that that's all folks. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to thank David and Christina very much for the presentation. And then, um, <clears throat> sorry. Oh, there's another question? No. <laughs> Um, the recordings will be shared in a couple of days. If you want to reach out to us, you can find us on Slack. Of course, you can download us. Please do that. Join the Intelligent channel. Um, in the general, you can communicate with the team and everybody who's part of it. So I hope to see you. Oh, I won't be there. But I hope you'll be there next time. <laughs> Thank you all.